Triple M's Real Football Show. Oh, Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Welcome once again, wherever you are tuning in around the world to the Real Football Show today. Adelaide United coach Carl Viet, who's been in a spot of bother this week. He's had a massive crack at the referees. He's been told to please uh, explain, and I'm sure he is, and the club have said they're backing him, by the way. But we'll talk to Carl Viet surely. They've got a massive game against Western Sydney tonight, Adelaide time, which is Thursday at Cooper Stadium. Alex Chidiak's going to join us. So Val, she is a very, very important and interesting soccer player, isn't she? She is. Um, she's born in Sydney, came here when she was about six months old, represented Adelaide United, went on to represent the Matildas. Fell out of the Matildas. She had a bit of an injury problem at Atletico Madrid, one of the biggest women's clubs in the world. And she played in that, or she was on the bench in that record crowd, which was set between Atletico Madrid and Barcelona three years ago, where there were 60-odd thousand people. All right. Also joining us, Danny Townsend. What's the future of the A-League in Australia? He's the director of the Australian Premier League, also CEO of Sydney FC. And we're going to meet a real interesting youngster, Kirker, who plays for Adelaide City in South Australia, um, has been given, or he's been waiting for permission to see if he can play for South Sudan, where he comes from. He was a refugee out of that country. So plenty to talk about today. Albie Kidd, starting with Ange Postacoglu. Could he or will he be coaching Celtic? Well, I actually spoke to a reporter last night and um, he says the discussions are still going on. Um, we mentioned it earlier off here that um, the, he's coaching badges. You need to have an A or a B, license, a Euro licence. Um, but that's been squashed now as, as per the reporter's uh, response last night. Well, he's so, got the correct licence or he doesn't no, need it? No, they're not really worried about the licence now um, because they've, they've pacified that situation. But really... You know, Postacoglu for Celtic. It's unusual, guys. It must be said it's unusual. He's got the, the, the scores on the board. He's got a national... Well, he's looked after the soccer, as we, we know. We know his history. But, geez, it was a shock to the system when I, when I found out. Why? Well, there's so many big names that flying about there. Now, let's, let's put it into perspective here. You know, Stevie Gerrard versus Ange mm. Postacoglu. Yeah. You know, it reads better... Uh, Gerard versus Roy Keane, mm. or you know Eddie Howe, um, but but look, let's be honest about it. Um, he has got the scores on the board, but geez, it, it is surprising for me that Val, I am surprised that an Australian coach is commanding that sort of respect in a big league in like that in Scotland, a big club, one of the biggest clubs in the world. It says a lot, actually, for Ange Postecoglou. Yeah. Um, Obviously, he's won a title with Yokohama F. Marinos in Japan and the J-League won in his second year. He's won titles with Brisbane Raw, South Melbourne, took, the, took him to the Club World Cup and you know represented Socceroos at the FIFA World Cup. I understand there's a big connection with the City Football Group and a board member of Celtic, which has made this happen. And uh, I think the board member is about to be ousted. From Celtic. But, I mean, it's great news for Australian coaches. Well, Kevin Musket was in Belgium until, what, the start of the year? Yep. Didn't work out for him. This is a big, big job for Ange Postacoglu. And my mate, I know he can, he can coach. Mm. My concern is, can he handle the scrutiny? He's been in Japan for so long, worked through an interpreter when dealing with the media. And the Japanese media are so, so polite. Yep, yep. The Scottish media aren't like that, no. I don't think, Albie. Culture's got to come into it as well. 
well, you know, we mentioned it again that you know, okay, he's qualified. He's he's got the scores on the board, um, but really, is, is he able to put his hand over somebody's shoulder and have a good, happy dressing room? I've got massive question marks over that. You know, I, I know what the Scottish culture is in a Scottish dressing room, and and believe me, there's a lot of fun going on. I didn't see Ange as a fun bloke. Yep. Well, there was Malcolm. Remember, he played for yeah. uh, Brisbane Roy. He's come out in the Scottish press and said that Ange had banned smiling at no Brisbane smiling. Roy. What? <laughs> no smiling. Really? <laughs> what was the fine? <laughs> he right? just didn't want people to smile in the dressing room. Well. But lads, on You've a serious on a serious <laughs> note, you mentioned City Group, Val. Okay, now they've got a guy in at Celtic now that is uh, the sporting director, and he was the one that. Wanted Ange Postecoglou, mm. but let me tell you: look at the you look at the uh, on the web. It's there's the supporters are up in arms about it. Now, when you've not got the backing of of a massive global club like Celtic with the fans, you're on a hint to nothing. You are until you win your first one, two, or three games. Correct. Early. And but if you do that, you've turned them around straight away. Yeah, but look at look at that Ange. Uh, I spoke to Simon Hill during the week, and you know he made a very good point. That he said to me that. You know, Ange is capable, but he takes too long to get his players to play the way he wants to play. I don't think he'll get the time. You right. can't do that in, in the Scottish Premier League with Celtic. Yeah, but can I tell you something? There's only two clubs in Scotland you coach. Correct. He's coaching one of them. They will win every week, and they've got to win one game a year, don't they? And that's yeah. It. Yeah. So uh, does it look, of the, of, of Celt- if he goes in there and he loses five games oof. and then he beats Celtic and the uh, Rangers in the sixth game, yeah. he's, he's, he's a, a hero. That's right. He's got to win one game a year. I wouldn't mind that job. Yeah, You're a 50-50 chance. <laughs> it's not bad. Look, it's a, it's a big decision. It is a massive decision for the board, for the club, for all the, the supporters. It's a global club, as I mentioned. Um, I'll be very, very surprised. Mm. I hope I'm not saying next week he's in there, but... <laughs> Uh, look, Roy Keane's on, on the list For me, yep. Roy Keane would be absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. To be taking that club to where it should be You're listening to The Real Football Show Still a little bit of space here, Carl Vitt. The cross comes in And it is in And Adelaide United score the historic goal And it's Carl Vitt who's knocked on the door And he has the goal Adelaide United coach Carl Veer's got a very, very big day ahead of him. Western Sydney at Cooper Stadium tonight. He joins us. Carl, good morning. Are you busy doing your homework for tonight? Yeah, just um, going through my final preparations for um, for tonight. Um, looking forward to the to the challenge tonight. Carl, um, last night I think Brisbane made the job a little bit easier. All you've got to do is not lose, and then um, you can you can sleep easier tonight. Yeah, look, um, you know we've had a a good season this year and it'd be nice to finish the season off on a high and, and get a win tonight and go into the finals with some confidence. Gee, it's tight. Last week, if you won, you were looking at second on the ladder. You went down and now you're having to win tonight to stay in the in the finals race. It's very, very competitive, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's um, I'd say it's one of the closest um, seasons for a long time. Yeah, it's been very tight um, all year and we've had <clears throat> plenty of opportunities to take that second spot and we've um, just haven't managed to take and take them few permutations there um carl looking at uh, western sydney tonight how's the squad looking yeah look you know we're still you know missing a couple of our key uh, key players but um now we're very confident um we just have to you know play the brand of football that we've played most of the year and we're confident that we'll you know we'll get the result we need tonight 
Carl, I just want to make a general comment here, and I mean this. I'm not crawling to you. I'm telling it from the heart. But what I have liked about you this year is your honesty. There was yeah. a game where you came out and said, I messed up as coach. I got that wrong. And likewise, last week you made comments about the referee. I know you've you've sort of taken them back. You haven't totally apologised, but you've taken them back slightly in the last day or two. And all I'd say is, mate, it's refreshing for someone like you that says what you think, and we know where you stand, and I like it. So uh, just a vote of confidence from me anyway. Oh, thanks, Dips. I'll uh, get you to write me a, a letter of uh, <laughs> recommendation. And I see already, where the, and he's the, already done it. And I see where the club's standing by you as well, so good stuff. But really, Carl, Carl just to come in at that point now, you know, I've been in that position myself on the sideline there, and, and you know, and I hear what you're saying. You're, you're, it sounds like you're backpedalling a little bit, but let me just uh, say something that I think that's happened here. You know, sometimes when the game's going away from you and, and, and the referee makes, it, makes even a, a simple mistake like uh, there's a throw in and it should have been your throw in and um, he gives it to the opposition. Sometimes you need to look at the players as well that could emphasise their body language or that. They could do that business for you on the ground. Um Maybe that's been the you know the reason that you've you've got so upset. Does that make a bit of sense there, where your players sort of pulling you at the the poo if you like to to stop doing that? Yeah, look, it's it's been a difficult year this year. I think um, at times you know we've got some you know our strikers that I don't I don't believe have had the same protection mm. that they could have got at times, and you know yeah. it's just a, you know as you say it's. A, it's a lot over the course of a season. You you seem to um, you know only remember the the bad things that happened to you. Mm, for sure, um, Carl. I mentioned a moment ago you could you could have finished second or you could be second uh, a few days ago. Um, who is is there a side? Is there a standout team that uh, you have to beat if you're to win the title? Yeah, I've always said I think Sydney are the team that are the you know the team that you need to beat if you yeah. want to win the grand final. It's fairly obvious, you know, the last you know four or five years that they have been the team that is always there um, around the grand final time. And, you know, the brand of football they play, we saw that last week, yep. is very difficult to break down and they have the quality to hurt you. Mm. Carl, going on to the Socceroos, there are no players uh, mentioned in the squad, which is disappointing from Adelaide's point of view. Did you expect anybody to be in, involved in the squad? Yeah, look, I, I thought Craig might have uh, been given a call up, you know, especially with the season that he's had with us. And, you know, maybe Tommy, but Tommy's, you know, just... To, couldn't um, play enough games this year, I don't think, to force him his way in. And, you know, they're two quality players that I believe, you know, are capable. And Ben Halloran is, is another one that I think is, you know, very capable the to chance, be yeah. up in there. But, Craig, you look at the goals that... Um, you look at Jamie um, McLaren, 20, sitting on 25 goals. You look at... How many goals has Craig Goodwin scored this year for you? Um, I think it might be seven or eight. Yeah. Up, yeah. up around that way, yeah. But it was a it was a shock to us as well. I thought we mentioned uh, Goodwin being a good possibility there. Carl, there's no yeah. rest of the wicked. Obviously, the season, the new season, we don't know it's going to kick off. Maybe October, but there's a lot of players that I think you need to maybe take care of. You're going to lose a few in the off season whenever that happens, and hopefully it'll happen after the grand final. But you got Urich, Lopez, Jakobsen, Wande, Elsie, Goodwin, um, and I'm hearing Thelinoff is is placed on the transfer market for a sale. I mean, it, it's a big job for you to rebuild, and especially losing. If you do lose all these players I just mentioned, it's massive. It's a massive task for you. Um, look, yeah, we've, you know, as a club, we're fairly proactive in that regard, and we've had a lot of conversations with a lot of those players that you've mentioned. So, um, you know, it's 
we're fairly comfortable where we're at. We know where we need to strengthen, um, and we are looking, you know, to strengthen in a couple of areas. And you know, Bruce is is doing a, a good job with that at the moment. Carl, thanks for your honesty again, mate. Good luck tonight. Um, we've interrupted your homework, but uh, have a win tonight and good luck in the final series. Thanks, guys. There All he the is, mate. Carl Viet, the coach of Adelaide United. Val, very interesting player for the Matildas, Alex Chidiak. Tell us all about her. Yeah, well, um, she was born in Sydney, came to Adelaide when she was very, very young, maybe before she could walk. Started to play football. I think she got the influence from uh, her father and went on to play for Adelaide United. Attracted Alan Stadich's attention when he was yep. boss at the Matildas. Made, made her debut for the Matildas. Then went to a massive club in Spain, Atletico Madrid, which mm. held the record. I think it was uh, Atletico v Barcelona, 60,000 fans. Yeah. Had a little bit of problem there and back to Melbourne City now back in the Matildas. Okay, she joins us right now. Alex Chidiat, welcome to the Real Football Show. Thanks for having me guys. You've been just about everywhere and in fact as Val said, I've read where you actually started in Adelaide with Croydon Kings, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Tell us about your time there. Oh, I mean, I loved it. Um, I'm part Polish, so yep. uh, my family kind of were drawn to that club. I was around the corner from my grandma's house and um, yeah, I just have really fond memories of um, of growing up, playing there, playing at that club, and yeah, definitely hope one day to make a return. Now I've been keeping a close eye on your on your career because I've I've seen you play for the Matildas and you've done a fantastic job, and then going to Atletico Madrid, and that must have been something else because f- for mine that that Atletico Barcelona match seemed to be the actual the explosion of the boom of the women's game in club in club football in Europe because you look at all the big clubs now and, and it's just going berserk with, with the actual um, the popularity. Did you see it that way as well? Yeah, no, definitely. I think that game was um, such a huge part of what's starting to happen now. Got a, a lot of exposure. Um, I think that's also credit to the fans in Spain. They're very passionate. Um, you know, I still get messages from some of the Atletico fans asking me to come back to the club. So they're very, very passionate fans. Um, and I think, yeah, that's following all around, um, especially through Europe at the moment with um, some big name clubs drawing in some um, pretty high audiences at the moment. Tell us about life away like that as a young footballer. Uh, you go to one of the biggest clubs in the world. How well are you looked after? Do, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking of things like you're, you're a long way from home, so housing and, and food and all of the things that you need on a daily basis. Are you well looked after? Yeah, so when I first um, arrived, it was a little bit of a challenge not um, knowing much of the language, but um, yeah, it took me a, a bit of time to find the person that was picking me up as well due to I didn't have internet on my phone, nothing really oh. sorted. I came over quite unprepared. Um, but yeah, at that stage, you know, we had transport um, to and from training. Um, and, and yeah, like luckily where we lived, it was right around the corner from, you know, grocery stores. So it was quite easy in that sense. Um, but yeah, no, like I am grateful for my time there. And when you go to a club like that, I imagine immediately the first day at training, you must think, wow, this is just a different level. I mean, even the training session, surely. 
Yeah, so when I arrived, actually, the girls had training that day and I was quite jet-lagged, but um, I went out and watched them train and I was freaking out a little bit. I was like, what have I got myself into? These girls are way too good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like after I, you know, had my first session, um, I mean, I absolutely loved it. It was, you know, very similar to, to when I was um, playing in boys' sides when I was quite young. Um, very high intensity, such skillful players over there in Spain. Um, so I really, really did love it. And yeah, training was always really, really intense and had an amazing quality. Just, uh, I've seen this happen in, in men's football in particular, especially with players coming from Australia and say getting to the into the European leagues and into Italy in particular. I've seen it firsthand where players are not welcome from Australia. They, they, they try to make it as hard as possible because obviously these players that are coming in from other shores are trying to take their spots, their living. Is that the same sort of um, pressure and tension that you experienced at Atletico? Yeah, I think um, it was quite interesting because, I mean, back here in Australia, you have internationals come in and they're expected to, you know, be starting every game. Yeah. Um, but over there, um, lots of the internationals, including myself, we struggled to get game time um, coming in. So it was quite difficult to to settle in in that sense. Um, you know, lots of the Spanish players were getting game time over lots of the internationals. It was kind of quite difficult um, for us to get on the field and kind of integrate with the team at times. Um, you know, it definitely helps to to learn the language, um, integrate mm. that way. But yeah, no, it is it is quite difficult. I think that is um, something that a lot of people do find when they head head to Europe. Let's focus on the Matildas. How difficult is it in these times to actually get together and train and all be on the same page? Yeah, I mean, it is super difficult. I think um, the last camp that the girls had over in Europe. I mean, we obviously couldn't have um, any players from Australia go in for that camp due to the situation. Um, so it was quite, you know, it's been quite difficult for the team to get together because it's spread out so far, lots of players playing in Europe, playing back home. So I think um, we do have it really tough to be able to get together and it's obviously not the ideal preparation that you'd like. But, you know, in saying that, everybody's struggling around the world with what's going on. Yeah. So you know, kind of just have to adapt to, to what's happening and, and move forward with it. Now, Alex, this is a massive chance because obviously the Matildas are, are uh, playing at the Tokyo 2020 Games, which is now 2021. You've been, you've been named in a really strong squad to face Denmark and Sweden. You must be over the moon. And, and unfortunately, you're in lockdown, you were telling me, in Melbourne as well. So, I mean, that's, that's, is that hampering training at all? Well, yeah, I haven't actually been able to train with the team um, since the lockdown started. So I've just been doing lots of individual stuff, but you know, in saying that, once again, you just adapt. Lots of players go through this. I mean, I've had my fair share of hotel quarantine where I just have to train by myself too, so I'm quite yeah. used to it. And, you know, you look at other things to do as well and focus on different things. And, you know, ultimately, like, I'll be able to get back into that environment. And, you know, it might take me a few sessions to get back into team training, but that's fine. You Gee, know, if you're in a tougher, training in a going. hotel room, your juggling must be coming on. <laughs> huh? um, honestly, yeah, She can juggle, by the way, really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's definitely something, um, you know, working in tight spaces, I'm quite good at. So. It's also, like I said, it's a chance to, to get in the Tokyo 2020. I think 18, 18 players are going to be named. There's also a whisper you might be heading back to Europe. And I'm seeing there's a lot of movement with the Matildas. Emily Van Egmond leaving uh, West Ham. I think she's been linked with PSG and AS Roma. Is that your dream to, to, to get back into Europe? Yeah, well, definitely to to 
sign a club overseas. I mean, I can't disclose where I'm going. I am signed with a club at the moment, oh, wow. um, and that should be announced later. Is that the US? Week, so. Ooh, right, right. <laughs> no comment. So, um, no, I, honestly, I can't say anything until okay. until that gets announced. So, if this call was a little bit later, maybe we could have spoken about that. Well, that's, that's exciting, though. So, you have signed <laughs> with great. a club. You have signed with a big club, have you? Um, I signed with a club ages ago now, right. <laughs> but just haven't been able to announce Well, that's it. good. Good on you. That is exciting. We'll <laughs> yeah. look forward to that. Yeah. I'm going to surf the web so, now, so, see yeah, if there's no, any leaks. Yeah, so I'm, re- I'm really, really excited for that. Um, and, yeah, so I, I won't, you know, be coming home after this camp. I'll probably be, you know, staying overseas. I just can't say where. Yep, no worries. What language will you have to speak? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, that would just give it away. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, just on the Matildas heading to Tokyo, I noticed this week where the softball team has already mm. gone over there, so they can then get on the same page and train together and, you know, plan. I'm wondering if there mm. are any moves afoot for the Matildas to maybe do that. If you head over there a bit sooner, you could actually get together and start working on things. Yeah, I think um, I'm not 100% sure on, you know, all the plans. Obviously, I think they want to try and keep um, the team together. But, yeah, like like you said before, the team still has to get cut down and, and decide. And I think that, you know, it depends on lots and lots of things because we're all spread over around the world. You know, there's a high risk of players getting COVID, players getting injured, all that kind of thing. So they're really waiting until the last minute to, to pick the squad. Yep. Um so yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure on on what the plans are, but um, yeah, I think this will be you know a very important camp to to really gel together and um, yeah, see what happens. Fantastic, Alex. Thanks so much for talking to us. Very very impressive, and good luck in the next few months with Tokyo. And uh, we will be reading the press to see where you are signing. <laughs> break it here, on. please. Break it here. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Alex. Good on you, Alex. (laughs) Alex Chidiak here on The Real Football Show. Adelaide United and Sydney FC. Spines in another cross for ground. This was a good one as well. Lafondra. He cannot stop scoring goals in Sky Blue. Back in the country, back in the A-League. You're listening to The Real Football Show. On the line now, the director of the A-League in Australia, Danny Townsend. Welcome, Danny. Thanks for having me on. Now, Albie Kidd here. Um, tell me, have you still got massive stud marks all up and down your shins or not from when you played against him? Or? Oh, yeah. Look, you know, he, he, he couldn't catch me, so was, <laughs> there's no marks on me. Uh, very good. Actually, Danny, I was looking at a bit of background from you as a player, and yeah. uh, I reckon I watched you come off the bench for Sydney United back in 98-99. You lost that game, by the way, at Hindmarsh, then you, then you won it in return. And then yeah. were, you, were you at Glenelg with... Um, Paramount of Power. I remember they had a camp here for two or three weeks back in 2000 at the I start. I was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, good you were the party animal that. going to the ground every night, yeah? <laughs> no, that's the, the, well, never, mate, not me. That's not me. That's not, definitely not me. Right, well, let's, let's see. You, you played with Arnie as well, obviously, at Sydney United, did you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, spent a bit of time with him. Yeah, it was. Uh, they were the good old days. <laughs> let's talk a bit of football. Uh, for the last week or two, we've been discussing the new rights on Channel 10. Uh, what will this do, in your opinion, for the A-League? Look, it's, a, it's the first time, really, we've had a, a free-to-air network in Australia sit across the table from us and tell us that, you know, they, they believe in our game and they believe in the strategy that, that APL has to, to reinvigorate uh, the sport in this country. So, you know, to put it in every household in Australia um, in prime time on a, on a Saturday night is something we've never experienced before. And it will just, it'll just provide a really new, fresh foundation for us to, to reboot things. 
Look, it's a really good uh, thing being at free air, as, as you mentioned, Danny. Um, I'm really interested in, sp- in speaking to you about the clubs, the respective clubs there. There's a, a big ticket item, uh, 200 mil plus, on the table for the um, for the whole package. What would the individual? What would one individual club get out of that to to run their budget? Yeah, look, it's it's a different model. Like I think one one of the things that's been a really convenient narrative since the beginning of the A League is that the TV deal is something that is distributed out to the clubs. It, it's actually not the case. It's you know, like any company, you you run a P and L. Um, the profit that comes out the bottom of that P&L gets distributed to its shareholders. And, and that's what, what APL is. It's, it's a company with its shareholders being the 12 clubs. We've got a job to do to, to build the game. Of course, we've got a responsibility as APL to send money down the, down the pipe to the, to the clubs in order to put the product on the field. So at the moment, we're working through a, a, a new P&L, a new budget for next year. The deal was only done last week. So we're, we're trying to work out all, what that all means and what we need to do to, to build the sport. You know, there's a significant effort required around marketing, which, which we need to fund. Um, so there's a bunch of other things. But look, our view is that we, we would expect that the distribution to clubs would be no less than it currently is. Um, where it grows to over the next uh, five years will we'll, we'll be part of that budgeting process. But needless to say, it's, it's a positive for them rather than a negative. Absolutely. And, and also there's new shows being talked about, more television cameras at, at grounds. Unfortunately, uh, Fox, I think, had four and five this season. They, I mean, they've done a great job since, since day one and, you know, it, it's now a change of hands. But there, And talk about promotion and relegation. Now, um, James... James Johnson, the CEO of FFA, has brought this up as well. And how do you sit this as also the CEO of Sydney FC with promo and relegation and, and obviously no licence fees being talked about for clubs that come up? How would that work? Look, I think we're a long way away from you know, getting detail around any of that. I think you know, we, we've, we haven't even formally unbundled from the FA at this point. Mm. You know, the, the approvals have all been, been made, but there's still a legal process that needs to be completed. So you know, to, to start thinking about, you know, where we when we're going to get to promotion relegation, how we do that is is a bit of a ways off. But look, mm. I think fundamentally, as a football fan and a football person like I am, you know, some of the best games of football I've ever seen are battles for relegation, right? Yeah. To avoid relegation yeah. and, and battles to to get up into um, a promotional pro- uh, opportunity. So, it's definitely the type of drama that we want in our game. But we've also got to think about the financial sustainability of the game. You know, the reality is that all of the twelve clubs in the last year have lost money. Yeah. So, you know, if you then try and take an NPL club, for example, even the best NPL clubs in the country and ask them to try and compete financially at the level that the, the current A-League clubs are at, it's a, it's a, it's a big gap. What, what our job is as a collective, and that's the FA and, and ourselves as APL and the member federations, is to try and ch- uh, close that gap between the, the current A-League um, businesses and, and the NPL ones to ensure that we're able to eventually get to that point where clubs can afford to step up into the A-League and that there is a, you know, a, a sound financial model around the sport. And, and unfortunately, we're a long way off that, but, but it's got to be the goal. So having heard all of that, what's going to happen with player salaries and moving forward? Well, play, player salaries, um, you know, at the, at the moment uh, are under discussion with the CBA. Uh, we, we, we're, we're going through a CBA process with the PFA, as always, you know, we've, we've maintained a great relationship with the PFA and, and with that means we, we typically end in a place where we find a, a, a balance between, you know, ensuring that the players get the facilities and get the, um, the benefits around, 
around their employment, the, the, the confidence that they're going to have a long-term employment, which is really important. And I, I don't think we could have guaranteed them that six months ago during COVID, but we've come through that. Um, I, look, I, I don't see a huge amount of change in the short term around the way the, the financial structure of, of the, the uh, payments to players will work. We're still catching our breath from COVID. There, there is a long way to go to get this yeah. game on a positive financial footing. The players have got a critical role to play in that. They're our product. You know, I I was I was one once, so I understand their 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 um you know their situation, and we want to make sure that we get our our sport to a point where we can pay them as much as we can possibly pay them, right? Because if we're in that position, then the game's in a really strong financial uh, footing, and that's that's got to be the focus at the moment. One hundred percent. Just with regards to the straight, well, the A League and the W League, and you know the umbilical cord hasn't been cut yet from FFA. Mm. When it does become cut completely, is there going to be an overriding board over the top of, of the APL looking down? I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Yes. Like like this week recently, Carl Viet got, gets himself in trouble and, and the yep. show cause notice comes out from, from Football Australia. Yeah. So, you know, when in stuff like that, controversial stuff, good stuff, is there a board over the top? Is that- yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. There's an APL board that currently has five board members on it. Yep. They're all APL chairman um, or APL club chairmen, I should yep. say. And then we will add three independents and an FA board member. So okay. they'll end up being nine. So that, that, that was part of the unbundling agreement and we're committed to, to getting there within a 12-month period from unbundling. Um, so th- there's a real focus on governance and that's really important for us, particularly where you've got competing interests as clubs yeah. who, who are competing on the field and business partners off it, which is a really important dynamic to maintain. If you go back to, to sanctions and these sort of things, that's where the FA's role comes in. They're the regulator okay. of the sport in this country. Mm. They they control the code of conduct and the disciplinary committee will continue to involve itself in, in A-League and W-League matters. And that's really important because there needs to be a secondary view on behaviour. And if, if you know, in the instance of, of Carl last week, you know, that, that was not an APL matter. That was an FA matter. The FA... Um, served him the show cause, right. and they they will run that process out with him. Yeah. Uh, but we'll obviously do that in unison because it's it's our brand. the The league is our brand. It's 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 an asset that we own. Um, so we want to make sure that the right type of behaviour is is um, I suppose played out. Uh, but equally, we need the FA to ensure that there's a there's another layer of governance over the top that ensures we're 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 doing the right things and sending the right messages to to the community. Danny um, Socceroos coach Graham Arnold's come out and said, and he said this a few times, and you know him quite well, there's not enough games for the A-League clubs to actually produce high-quality international players. I know what he's getting at, and he, he mentioned Riley McGree playing now in the championship, and obviously they play 40-odd games. So are you looking to increase the number of games for, for A-League? And, and even W-League has is, is got like a 12-game season, not enough. Yeah, look, there's an obvious requirement with the W League that's key to our strategies to expand the number of clubs in that and also increase the number of matches. That That's that's a no-brainer and something we're working on. Um, look, the A League's, I think I, I sort of share Arnie's view there yeah. in that you know, we've, we've contract players for 12 months of the year and they're sort of active for seven months playing competitive football and, you know, we need to find a way to sort of get to the, the, the optimum number of matches. You know, I'd probably question whether or not Riley McGree played more match minutes in the championship this year than he did the year prior in, yeah, in, in A-League. Yeah. I don't think he has, so I'm yeah. not sure where he's going with that argument. Yeah. But I, fundamentally, Arnie is right. 
Um, we, we need to get our footballers playing more often. That may not be more A-League matches. That may be, you know, other competitions yeah. that we, we create that, that give them more opportunity to play meaningful competitive matches. And I think we're aligned on that. that that's definitely something that we, we, is in the consideration set for the future. Danny, we're obviously coming to the pointy end of the season. Now, from a non-biased point yeah. of view... <laughs> Who's going to win the championship? <laughs> well, come on, come on! It's impossible. It's impossible. Now, look, look I, I think it's it's going to be a real interesting one, right? Because yeah, there's there's still um, a lot to be done in the the top six in terms of where teams are going to land. Because home field advantage in any knockout massive, match yeah. is, is massive, right? So yeah. I think the top four, the winner will typically come out of the top four, in my opinion. Uh, how that top four ends up will be will be probably a function of what occurs this weekend. But look, I think. There's no doubt that City's been the best team all year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Sydney FC's come good at the right time. I think we've got a squad that knows how to win trophies and, you know, we're probably coming good at the right time. That said, both those two clubs I mentioned are, you know, missing three of their starting 11. You know, I think our challenge at Sydney FC is that, you know, we've le- we've lost a... Uh, a goalkeeper who is very difficult to replace. Tommy Hewitt was a great young goalkeeper, and we're confident to do a great job. But you know, when you take away your num your number one, and and you lose um, a player like Ryan McGowan and Ryan Grant, yeah. our defence is three players out of our back um, back five are gone. The con uh, the, the other side of that is City, right? They've lost players down their spine, which which is also challenging for them to to overcome. So I think you know if, if the Socceroos were still there. I'd probably predict a City Sydney FC grand final, and I think in the big games our boys would prevail. The the I suppose the joker in the pack this year is that we're both going to lose key players, and that probably opens up the opportunity for teams three and four. It's very disappointing what's happened there, and 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 really that's I guess that's on your agenda to to get fixed there. I believe that Fox Foxtel pulled the pin on that with dates and and all that type of stuff because one what should actually happen there, Danny, in my humble opinion, is that you know these games should be delayed. Um, until a different date once the Socceroos get their, their business out of the way. Because really, it's a massive thing. We're at the pointy end, and we're not going to see the best players playing in the comp. Yeah, look, I think just to be clear, it wasn't Foxtel's decision. It was it was our decision. Um, the reality is is that the Socceroos are gone for, for the best part of three weeks, and they've got two weeks in hotel quarantine, yeah. which means when they yeah. get back, they're not going to be able to play anyway because they'll have not, not kicked the ball for two weeks. So, so in reality pausing the the competition now for the next five weeks to wait for six players to come back is just impractical and and equally players come off contract on june 30. Mm. so there are so many other factors that you know that probably not everyone understands and therefore the 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 sort of simple answer would be hey just delay and wait for them to come back Hmm. in the the practical realities that in in the the covid look this is an unwanted consequence of covid there's so many unwanted consequences of covid this is one that unfortunately for this year we just we just got to deal with you know there's still that, that creates opportunities for those players i get it we'd all love to see those six players playing but you know, waiting around for six weeks for them to come back, get fit after quarantine is just not practical. Yep, you make a lot of sense. Danny, you've given us plenty to think about this morning. Thanks so much for talking to us. No worries, fellas. Thanks there, for having me on. Here is Danny Towns here Danny. on The Real Football Show. Joining us now live on the Triple M Real Football Show podcast is Kur Kur from Adelaide City. And um, he's been having a great season. He had a great couple of seasons, actually in the NPL, but he's got some breaking news for us on the Triple M Real Football Show podcast. Welcome to the show, Kurt. Hey, how you doing, bro? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. That's, well, it, it's a pleasure. Now, 
Tell us what's going on in your life because uh, it's not very often that this happens to any footballer. So what, what's just happened to you now? Um, I just got given the opportunity to be called up for the South Sudan national team. Yeah. And um, um, we're playing a qualified against Jordan. Wow. For the Arab World Cup. So, oh, yeah. oh, okay. So the, this is the Arab uh, World Cup. Well, that's good. So when, when are these games? Um, the qualify against Jordan is on the 21st of this month. Yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised? Yeah, go on. Yeah, we're preparing for that game. Wow. So a lot has to happen, but actually before you, uh, get to go over there, the, obviously Football Australia has okayed you to, to move over there for these games. Is Adelaide City okay with it as well? Yeah, I spoke to Adelaide City before. Um, making the decision, but um, yeah, they're okay with that. Okay, and there's so many Australian-based uh, South Sudanese football players actually that have played for the national team. Is I mean, has this been one of your goals, one of your dreams to to, to represent South Sudan? Yeah, my my goal has been to um, represent either Australia or South Sudan. But um, the opportunity to represent South Sudan came up, and I'm ready to take it. No, fantastic. So hopefully you get government approval. That's what you're waiting on now to get out of the country because of this yeah. blasted COVID pandemic. So is that what you're waiting for, yeah? Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. Okay. I'm pretty sure I should get approval. Okay. So is there any other teammates that you might know in the South Sudanese national team? Um, Val from Australia um, also got called up, so I think I'll be playing with him. I'm traveling in Valentino, you. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's massive, mate. That's massive. So, when when's the planned uh, departure date? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm still organizing the, the best the possible date to to leave. But um, yeah. Okay. So, just tell us a little bit about your background. Obviously, I've seen you come through for Modbury, then uh, I think Croydon Kings, Adelaide City. So, were you where were you born? Um, I was born in um, Kenya. Oh, okay. And uh, came over here in 2004. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've been been living here since. Okay, so did did you earn refugee status? Uh yeah. Okay. I'm now a citizen. Right, right. So yeah. So um, yeah, that's it. Okay, and how long you have you been playing football? Uh, since I was eight, uh, going to uh, Modbury, Modbury Vista. Yeah. At, at the age of eight, and then I came down to uh, northern suburbs. Yeah. And that's when I played for Playford. Yeah. And got picked up for the Skilleries program. Yeah. Um, for a couple of years, and then I, I returned back to club, and then I played senior football at Modbury Jets. That's when I made my junior uh, debut. Right, and you've been scoring a lot of goals as well, I've noticed. So how old are you now? Um, 21. Oh, 21, you're still a young but And, well, I mean, what's your dream as maybe, have you got dreams of playing professional football here in Australia? And obviously the, you'll have a chance with South Sudan to prove yourself on the international say, stage. Yeah, I have ambitions to uh, further my football and uh, hopefully play it. Uh, a league here, yeah, and uh, yeah. All right. Have you had any uh, any interest so far? Uh, 
Ailey Cup. Yeah. Uh, nah, not really. I had a couple talks here and there, but um, it, through injuries and stuff, you know what I mean? I really haven't had a, a full season to, you know, prove myself. Yeah. And, you know, possibly getting interest within the Ailey Cup. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Just obviously on your journey to uh, South Sudan, so where would you be playing these games against Jordan? Because from what I understand, South Sudan really hasn't got a home ground because of the status of the country, which has only been, uh, what, 17, 18 years now. It's, it's been awarded status as a country. So so where would you play these games and, and the training and all that sort of stuff? And have you talked to the coach? Uh, I had a brief conversation with the coach, but... Um I'm not sure about the training ground, but the game against Jordan will be played in Qatar, I'm pretty sure. Oh, in Qatar. Yeah. Okay. And and if you win this game, you qualify for the Arab Cup, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. when would that... Yeah? yeah? The Arab Cup is the end of the year. Oh, the end of the year. So uh, you, you'll be obviously heading over there. When the temperature's a little bit cooler, and in Qatar at this time of the year, the temperatures are 47, 48 degrees. Are you preparing yourself for that, obviously, coming out of uh, the start of winter here in Adelaide? Yeah, I should be all right, dude. Right. And, and I mean, if the government allows you to go, you're going to have to quarantine as well, yeah? On the yeah, way back. Yeah, I'd have to quarantine for two weeks. For two weeks. Are you prepared for that? Yeah, I'm pretty prepared. Okay, so this weekend, obviously Adelaide City have been going pretty well this season. Um, you dropped maybe a couple of points in the last couple of games, so you'll be playing this weekend for the club. Yeah, uh, we got uh, Metro at home this week. Um, yeah, yeah, preparing for that game. Yeah, yeah, and and just the difference because obviously you played the Croydon in the NPL, Modbury, Adelaide City. What what's been the difference between the three clubs? Um. Well, I went to Adelaide City uh, because I was looking to improve and I thought um, the environment there and the coaching staff uh, would improve me as a player. So um, there was not, there's a, it's just quality that's the difference. Uh, yeah. There's a few more quality players at Adelaide City now. So, yeah. Um, and training's been good and a bunch of lads, uh, you know, great, great, great to be around. So, yeah. Yeah. And I see the club's also looking after you because their major uh, benefactor, Best, has employed you as well, yeah? Yeah, um, I'm there a couple of days of the week and, um, yeah. So what do you do with yeah. the rest of your time? Just play football? Yeah, and I'm also studying. So I'm also at uni studying uh, management, business management, yeah. part-time. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm just trying to juggle all them three. All right. Beautiful, Kurt. Thanks for the chat. Thank and you. Uh, hopefully you get all the right government papers and uh, all the best uh, when you represent South Sudan. I'm, I'm sure it's a, d- a dream come true for you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me again. No problem, mate. As we wind up the real football show for this week, Albie, uh, what are the hot topics? Chelsea, they were hot. Yeah, we've got to go back on that game in Champions League, uh, Chelsea and Man City. Chelsea unbelievably won in that, that game and that was a massive shock to the system there. I, I just Why thought was that it a qu- shock? Oh, I just thought that um, Man City would be... If they were playing 10 times, well, I think they'd won nine times, nine games out of 10. Uh, football's football, as we all know. We've all been caught up in, in that and we're playing careers and, and whatnot. But 
I thought that was a, a, a brilliant result for Chelsea to beat a, a very, very talented uh, Man City there. And really, you, you look at the, the Etihad at this point, point in time, it's, it's all not well there. It's, uh, there's a few things happening. He wants to offload 12 players. He's offered, oh, two players, offered two players and also money for Harry Kane. You know, Guardiola, he needs to, you know, be smart on how he handles all this because there'll be a lot of players disappointed or looking over the shoulder, I would say, Val. 100%. But they've got money. They can do whatever they like. And, and good luck to them. They, I mean, look at the newly promoted club. Um, Brentford. EPL, Brentford. How much money are they getting for that? Brentford, 240 mil they get for being promoted. What a good story. Um, a, a ground that holds 17,000 people. They share it with a rugby team who play their alternate weeks, I believe. They should have a full house every week. But you know, um, <laughs> there's an Australian connection there because Lachlan Brook, yep. he didn't play in the first team. I think he got close to being named in the, on the bench in the championship. Mm. He represented the club. And the club has built a stadium, which I remember a few years ago, Adelaide United through uh, the, the Robert Gerrard group were contemplating um, working with the government to have it built. It's a brilliant stadium, 17,000, like you said. It's mm. brand new, can can host sporting events, but it's a great story as well. And hopefully, Lockie Brook, uh, in his second year, can get some game time in the EPL. It's a great story. Look, they've been around since the 1880s, and <laughs> for the first time ever, into the top flight. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's great news. Isn't a it? little it's, club in West London. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Uh, just on the referees, we did mention the referees with, with Carl Vert. Um, Jarrett Gillette, um, looking like he's going to be invited in to be the Australian ref in the EPL. Mm-hmm. So the congr- first. congratulations mm. to uh, Jared. Well, that's sure. gra- it's groundbreaking. Groundbreaking it is. for an Australian referee. Ancelotti on the move that's He's uh, going back to Real Madrid, obviously leaving a, a good position for uh, somebody to take over Everton. Mm-hmm. Pochettino coming in to Spurs, it looks like, from uh, PSG. He's going to be coming in there. Aguero. He's left Man City, as we all know. What a good player. Uh, best goal scorer of all time at Man City. He's away back to, well, he's going to Barca. Mm-hmm. You forgot the most important coaching merry-go-round, Allegri back to Juventus. Oh, What's well, going on with coaches going back to clubs that they used to coach? Well, so, Ancelotti, uh, he was great at Real Madrid. I was holding the best for last at uh, Scotland Drew with uh, Holland last night, 2-2. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, what is it with coaches going back to clubs? They, they get rid of them because, obviously, they, they don't think that they, you know, they've come to the end of their reign, the end of their um, tenure, and then they move them on. Now they're getting them back. But, Val, just, you make a good point there, and you look at Porchettino, you know? He was a great coach at uh, um, Spurs. He had a bad spell. They never stuck with him. They brought in Mourinho. Cost him an absolute fortune. Did he do the business there? No. Now they've got him back. I think you're very right in what you're saying there. People need to stick with coaches, uh, make the, you know, take your time to appoint the right person. But when he goes bad, support him. Well, that's the argument. We'll go back to Postacoglu. Three or four bad games at Celtic. He's oh, done. Be gone. Yeah. It's, it's all over. But he won't. I'm telling you, I said earlier, Celtic will win every week. Except for two matches. But they've got He's the, got to win, he's got got to win twice a year. Qualifiers for the Champions League. And, Listen, if, if, and that's they start pre-season in a, two weeks. If he, He'll get judged on those pre-qualifiers. A good example of what we're speaking about is Alex Ferguson. Okay, Sir Alex, obviously, now. But um, he was on the verge. When he went from Aberdeen down to Man United, um, way back in 87, I think it was, he struggled big time, and he was away to get sacked, and then he won the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. And then it just went from there. So they stuck with him. Matt Busby was involved at that time and whatnot, but they stuck with him. Do you think it was the right call? 
Yes. How about the the Socceroos are back in action tomorrow, um, Mm. playing Q8 in the World Cup quality. They should breeze through this without, you know, I think Postacoglu could have taken, you know, his fourth best team. Mm -hmm. Um, We broke this through news that Joe Montemuro was about to sign for Juventus women's team, coming from the Arsenal women's Mm -hmm. team. Mm -hmm. I've got very good inside word that June the 8th is the date. Righto. That he will Good be announced Bell. as Juve's uh, coach. Also got another breaker that Tony Popovich, brand new coach of Melbourne Victory, and he's going to get that broom out in the cricket bat and the baseball. Well, bat the only way's up. They're, they're good jobs to take because as soon as you win anything, but Popper's great. Yeah, but he'll he'll be a success because you can't get any worse. He's great at doing. He's he's great at doing the clean out. He did it with Perth, and you know got into the grand final and they won. So he signed his very first player as the boss of Melbourne Victory, and that's Aaron Calver from Western United. Mm-hmm. He's agreed to terms. Right. So, so that's the very first signing. All right, plenty to talk about in the world of football, wherever you are, right around the globe. Enjoy your football over the next week or so, and we will see you again on The Real Football Show.